This week we learned two parashas. Both of them may be the hardest parashas to understand in the Torah. The first one is a parashas para. And we know para Dhamma is the example of something which isn't understood. Even the greatest man, Shlema Melech, said of a parashas para Dhamma, it's beyond my understanding. There's something inherently impossible to understand about Paradam. What is that? So we know the idea of the Paradama is that it came to retire a person, to purify a person who would become Tommy Bitumas Mes. Someone who had in contact or in the close vicinity under the same roof as a mace. He becomes Tommy from the mess. And the only way that a person can regain his purity from Thomas mess, which is the most chomer of all the Thomas, is by having the waters which are mixed with the ashes of the Paradumas sprinkled on it. And when that happens, on the, or twice, on the third and seventh day, then the person is now tough. He can bring a carbon again, he can eat kochim again, or truma, and come to the base of Mikdash. And therefore we see the Paradumas as something which causes Tara. The paradigm is something which brings Klai Yisrael to a stage of purity when they had been impure before that. And yet, and here's the paradox, the Kayan who was entrusted with preparing the paradigm was sprinkling the water on Klai Yisrael, so that makes him Tomei. Here's the question, how can that be? How can it be with something which itself is a source of Tara? Something which itself causes the Jewish people to be, to become tar acts also as a source of tum and makes the person who's doing the process of being with tar the Jewish people himself tummy. How can it be? How do the two work together? And like we said, it's an enigma. It's a chayk. It's something we can't understand. Another parasha. We have read this week, which is also hard to understand, is the Pasha of the Chaita One of the low points of Klai Yisrael's career. When merely weeks after accepting the Torah HaSinai, Klai Yisrael did the unthinkable and make a statue and, and worship it and dance around it and say, Yisrael. How can it be? And if you look in Chazal, to see where does Hashem lay the blame for the tragedy called Chetag. So it's an amazing thing. HaKadosh Baruch Hu blames Klai Yisrael's leaders. The Pasuk says that while Chetag was happening, Moshe was still on Harsinai. It was the 40th day and he was looking forward to receiving the Luchas. And just at that stage, Klai Yisrael on Nikshal and they make the eagle. And Hashem turns to Moshe Shemaim and he said, Lech Red. He said, I'm demoting you. You have to I'm going to go out of here. You're going to go down on your level. Why? Because your nation he took from Mitzrayim has corrupted themselves. And why was it Moshe's nation? Sarashi says, Quoting Chazal, that the beginning of the problem of Chaita Egel didn't start with Klai Yisrael. Chaita Egel began with the Erev Rav, with a multitude of people 
that Moshe took out of Mitzrayim. And it's true they influenced the Jewish people. And it's true the Jewish people fell as well. But the start of the sin began with the, with the Arab Rav. And that's why Hashem says, Amcha. And Rashi says, Amcha, those were the Arab Rav who wanted to join the Jewish people. And Moshe was Makabal the Mizgarim. And like Rashi says, he didn't ask Hashem. He thought, he thought it's a good thing that Goyim wants to also, so to speak, accept the accept the authority of Hashem. And that's the objection Hashem says. Because he said that they would be mistabic with Hashem. If we look closely, what is HaKadosh Baruch Hu's criticism of Moshe? Why is it Moshe's fault, as it were, the Egrazov? Not that he was Makabal the Erev Rav. For that we would enough Chazal to say, the Erev Rav that you were Makabal as Gerim. That wasn't the problem. If you look closely, what it says is, that you Makabal them belonim lachtubi. You didn't ask me. Which means the problem was Moshe should have asked Hashem. And what would Hashem have said? So I, the way I understand Rashi is, it could be Hashem would have said yes, be makabaldim. Like I said before, the problem wasn't that Hashem didn't want the air of Rav. Hashem's problem was you didn't ask before you accepted them. So if that's the case, why is that so significant? If Hashem would have accepted them too, so what was so terrible about the fact that Moshe didn't ask? And I believe there's a big insight over here. How did Chet Egel happen? What was the mistake? So again, Chazal tell us. Klai Yisrael were waiting for Moshe to come down from Shemayim. They were anxiously counting the days. Moshe said he's coming back on the 40th day. And they marked up every day until they got to the 40th day. Today is the day we're expecting to see Moshe. Today is the day we're looking forward to seeing him coming down the mountain. And the hours go by. And Moshe doesn't come down. And Gladys will start to panic. Why? Because they feel without Moshe we're abandoned. We're lost. Moshe was the one who took us out of Mitzrayim. And took us through the Yamsuf. And in his house we get the money every day. And he brought us to our sin and he gave us the Torah. And now without Moshe what are we going to do? We are lost in this hostile desert. We have nowhere to turn. We don't know who to speak to. We don't know who's going to guide us. And especially when the Sultan read us in Klai psychological position, he played on that. And he made them feel that they could see in the sky a vision of Moshe's uh, corpse being carried. And that just f- f- served to fuel their fear. Now they saw that even see that Moshe was dead. And therefore, they were pushed by panic to the stage where they felt, we have to find an alternative, let's do something. And that's where they made the Egel. Originally the, the Erev Rav, bats, fear is contagious, and they brought the Jewish people along with them. And Hashem says to Moshe, Moshe, this is all your fault. Because, why did the people feel like that? And the answer is, the Erev Rav felt like that because they felt that you're everything. 
You're everything. Without you, they have nothing to do. They're lost. They don't have any connection. And therefore, they have to look for an alternative. And why do they feel like that? Because you were the one who accepted them as hidden. They're your people. And therefore, they're going to think, Moshe is the one who brought us here. Moshe is the one who accepted us. Moshe is the one who's looking after us. Now Moshe is gone. But if Nimlachtobi, if you would have asked Hashem and said and told them, I'm going to ask Hashem what he thinks. And the answer would have been to the to the Rav, Hashem agrees to accept you. Then they wouldn't have felt that the same way that you're everything for them. It was Hashem that accepted them as part of Klai Israel. They would have been less panic-stricken when they don't feel Moshe is there. And therefore, of course, when it comes to somebody great, HaKadosh Baruch Hu judges them much more finely. It's didactic on much smaller things. But to some extent, the blame for the Eglazov was laid at the feet of Moshe. It was because you didn't ask Hashem. You accepted the Erev on your own. And therefore they felt, they, the Erev felt, that we part of Klai because Moshe accepted us. And without Moshe we lost. That's what began the mindset which culminated tragically in Chetag. So Moshe is blamed for Chetag. And the other leader Klai has Aaron. Aaron is also blamed for Chetag. And it's something which is very hard to understand. The great Sadiq, Aaron Akoyan, he was extremely connected to the Ego. It was his idea. And he was the one who threw the gold into the fire. And he's blamed for it. Moshe says to him, What do these people do to you that you've brought upon them this tremendous sin? Aaron's being blamed for Chet Ego. And he was. He was, like the Pasuk says later in Dvarim, that Hashem wanted to destroy Aaron and all, and all his children for And we think to ourselves, what in the world is Aaron doing? Aaron was a Navi, he was a leader. How could he how could he be involved in such a thing? And again Khazal tell us. When the Pasik Bayiban Mizbayak Lafuna, when he built an altar in front of the Aga, Khazal said, He understood from the one who had been slaughtered in front of him. He saw his nephew Khur, the son of Miriam, who he had heard the idea of the Erev Rav, and he got up and he had resisted any attempt, any attempt on Israel's part to do anything like that. He said, sinners, this is idolatry over my dead body. And they killed him. And Aaron thought to himself, if I'm going to also courageously resist the people, they maddened. They're not in a normal state of mind. They're going to kill me too. And if that's going to happen, then Klai Yisrael will be in so much of a worse position. It will be an example of killing a Kayin and a Navi already then. And therefore, in a way to lessen the burden of guilt of Klai Yisrael, Aaron thought, I'm going to go along with him. That way, maybe it will be less of a punishment for Klai Yisrael. Aaron was motivated by concern, so to speak, that Klai Yisrael shouldn't do too much wrong. Like the Pasuk talks about the Kohen, V'rabim Heshiv Me'avim. But that didn't absolve Aaron of responsibility. On the contrary, maybe his motivation was good. Maybe his intention was to prevent Klai Yisrael doing worse. 
but that didn't prevent his hands from being involved in the egg. He also got dirtied by the effects of the Aver. And therefore he was also held responsible for it. And that's why we have a third person in the Pasha. The third person mentioned in the Pasha is Yeshua ben Nun. Yeshua ben Nun, who throughout the 40 days Moshe was on the, on the mountain, he waited at the base of Harsena, out of the Jewish camp for Moshe to return. And you see that when Moshe does come back to the Jewish camp, to go to Yeshua, the Torah makes a point of telling us that when they could hear the noises from the camp, Yeshua tells Moshe there's a, there's a war going on. Call Milchama v'machana. And Moshe tells him, no, it's not a war. This is a sign of the revelry of the Egerazov. Why was it necessary for the Apostle to tell us that? And similarly, at the end of the Pash, we find Yeshua coming a third time. And that is, the Apostle says, in all those days, after Moshe came down from Hashinai, Moshe pitched his tent out of the camp. And every time Moshe would leave the camp, it says, every person would go out for Nitz, for Ish Pesach Everybody would stand at their own homes, at the doors of their own homes. We bid to Achrei Moshe. They would watch Moshe as he made his way from the Jewish camp to where he had pitched his own tent out of the camp. And when Moshe arrived at his tent, it says, Yered Ar Amud Anon Moshe. The cloud of the Shechina would come down and speak to Moshe. And everybody would see her, they would be Mishtachabe. And they would bow down. And after that, the cloud would go back up. And Moshe would return to Jewish camp to tell the Jewish people what Hashem had just told him. And now it comes the third time. And Yeshua Benu didn't leave the tent. What's the significance of Yeshua's role in the whole story? And the answer is, if you think about it, Yeshua was the one person of Kal Yisrael who wasn't affected by Chetaka. Everybody else was in the, t- in the camp and therefore, either directly or indirectly, responsible for allowing that to happen. Either they participated or they didn't protest, whatever the case may be. Moshe Rabbeinu, who was up the mountain, but nevertheless, Hashem blames him. You brought the Erebra. The one person who the eagle wasn't, didn't touch them in any way was Yosha. Yosha wasn't in the camp. He's at the foot of Harsinai. He's in no way responsible for the eagle. He was still holding Mamatan Torah. And that's why we see that when he, he comes in the earshot of the camp and he hears the signs going on, Yeshua couldn't imagine what there would be something bad. He was so far removed from it. It must be a war. It must be there's a milchama going on. And now we understand something much deeper. HaKadosh Baruch Hu makes a tikkun for Moshe Rabbeinu for what he did wrong and a tikkun for Aaron. And that's the passage we just mentioned. We'll talk with Moshe first. Throughout the Midbar, HaKadosh Baruch Hu speaks to Moshe. And Moshe then relays the message to Klai Yisrael. No other time do we find that there was something visual that Klai Yisrael could see. Like they could over here. That they watched how Moshe went down, the cloud went down to speak to Moshe, and then the cloud went back up again. Every other time Moshe got in the book, and he told the Jewish people what he had heard. What was the significance of Klai Yisrael watching Moshe go back to his tent, and everyone could see the cloud come down to talk to Moshe, and the cloud would go back up to Shemai. 
And the answer was, this was the second for the mistake people made. They thought, without Moshe, we lost. Without Moshe, he's the one who's in charge. He's the one who's leading us. He's the one who's taking care of us in the midbar. And therefore, when they felt that Moshe wasn't there, they panicked. And the lesson for Klai was, you're going to watch and see that Moshe is only a messenger. And therefore, every time Hashem speaks to Moshe, you'll see the cloud come down to talk to Moshe. And then Moshe is just the messenger. He's relaying the message to you from Hashem. And without Moshe, you have Hashem, and he's in charge. And if Moshe made a mistake of accepting the Erev Rab without telling them, Hashem is accepting you. So the correction of that is everybody's going to see that Hashem is directing Moshe. It's not his decisions. It's not his choices. It's not his responsibility. It's HaKadosh Baruch responsibility. And that's why throughout that period, every day people would get up and they would stand and they would watch and they would see. And they would bow down and see HaKadosh Baruch was directing Moshe. That was the tikkun for the chalik of the Avera. That Moshe was involved in. Everybody Everybody would watch us, with one exception. Yeshua ben didn't leave the tent. And therefore, he never saw this Shechina come down to speak to Moshe outside the tent. He was in the tent learning. Why? Because Yeshua didn't need that lesson. He wasn't affected by the Eka. He can continue to learn the Torah that just like before. And he didn't need that reconfirmation and that Chizuk every day. It's not Moshe. HaKadosh Baruch is directing Moshe. Watch and see how Hashem tells Moshe what to do. And therefore, when everyone else watched, when it's for Ish Pesach Oda, everyone looked what happened outside the tent. Yeshua remained inside the tent. He remained learning. He was a bad That was the first part. That was the token for Moshe. And now we come to the second part. What is the token for Aaron? Of course, Aaron meant well. He wanted to protect Kairos from doing worse. But at the same time, he insulted he, he himself with the sin. He involved himself in the egg. Chazal tell us that the paradoma was taken for chayta ega. Yavaya aim to kenech tzaras for noah. Tzaras like the mother was a para to clean up for the what her child, which is the the calf, the egg of is caused. And here's the message to Aaron, and it's such a powerful message. Hashem says to Aaron, Aaron, you as the kohen are entrusted with purifying the Jewish people. Avin klayis shal atamei meis. And Klaishra are impure because they've touched or come into contact with a dead person, and they need to be made pure so they can come back to the Shekhinah and come back into the Mikdash. You're the Kohen I entrusted with the job. It's your job to bring the Paradoma, it's your job to burn it into ash, to mix it with the water, to sprinkle on Klai Yisrael. Yes, you have looked at for Klai Yisrael, it's your job to metai Klai Yisrael. But the lesson to Aaron, and it doesn't make sense, it shouldn't be like that. It was crafted like that as a lesson to Aaron Akoin, and that is. But you're going to become Tommy in the process. You were acting to say to Matai the Jewish people, but it's going to make you Tommy. Why should it be like that? Because that was a lesson to Aaron. And that is, it's true by the Chaita Egel. You were looking to Matai the Jewish people. You were looking to vindicate them and lessen their burden of guilt. Their amount of Avera. But you did it in a way which made you Tommy. And therefore, which involved you in the Chaita. And therefore, the token for that is, in the future, you'll be given the job of being with the Jewish people, but in a way which makes you Tommy. To show that it wasn't the way it was meant to be. For sure, to look after Klai Yisrael and to protect them from doing a various, 
to prevent the majority, prevent the majority from sinning is a good thing. But not in a way where you metame yourself. Not in a way where it defiles, where it makes you involved in the aver. And therefore, the chul for iron was dafka the chayk of the paradum. Really, maybe it shouldn't have been like that. But the fact that the coin becomes tame was a lesson to iron a coin. Even if you're trying to retire Klai Yisrael, but not by being metame yourself in the process. And the technique for that is, you will be metame Klai Yisrael, but in a way where the coin becomes tame. And then we see both sides of the passion. We see how when Klai Yisrael sinned, really the, the responsibility is laid at the feet of the elitists. But over here, HaKadosh Baruch Hu found the tikkun for both of them, both Moshe and Aaron, in the way which reverses, so to speak, the element of hate which they did wrong. Now the tikkun for the leaders. And the tikkun for the Jewish people is a deeper point. What are Klai Yisrael doing? What are Klai Yisrael doing? We understand, they were panicking. They didn't have a leader. They were lost in the desert. They had no one to turn to. So it wasn't the right thing to do. But there was a step before that. When Hashem speaks to Moshe, He says to him, They left the path. They made an eagle. And the Mashmah says, before making the eagle, they really left the path. The eagle was just step two. What was step one? So let's look at a similar story. A similar lesson, which we can learn from much later on in the Nach. And the Nach tells us, when Shmuel got older, and he wasn't able to lead the Jewish people as he had previously. So the Zikhnim came to him, and they said, choose a king for us. Someone to replace you, Shmuel. Someone who's going to lead us in your place. And Shmuel was very offended. And he cried out to Hashem, I've been rejected. Klai Yisrael wants a different leader instead of And Hashem's response to Shmuel was, They didn't reject you, they rejected me. And the question is, where's the rejection of Hashem? They were loyal to Hashem. They didn't ask for a new God, they asked for a new leader. Why is asking for a leader a rejection of Hashem? And the answer is, and this is a point of Emun, the answer is, that the rejection of Hashem came from a point of Klai Yisrael. What do you think? Do you think that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is going to live, let a leader die and leave you in the lurch? Leave you leaderless? Do you think HaKadosh Baruch Hu doesn't realize that Klai Yisrael needs a leader? And therefore, if the leader would disappear, then you wouldn't think of finding a replacement for him. Why do you think it's your responsibility to worry about who Hashem is going to choose as a leader? And therefore Shmuel was disappointed with Klai Yisrael. That, they felt that, he, that he felt they were replacing him as a leader. Hashem was disappointed for a different reason. Why is it your responsibility to think, to make sure we have a leader? A leader is Hashem's agent. A leader is Hashem's shliach to lead Klai Yisrael. Let him find the shliach. But it's not our job. If we know that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is interested in looking after Klai Yisrael, then you can rely on him to find us the person to lead us. And if that's the case, the same accusation can be leveled at Klai Yisrael here. Moshe, you think, is Moshe has disappeared. You've seen in some kind of vision that Moshe died. 
So what do you think Hashem is going to do? He's going to abandon you because Moshe died? He's not going to realize that you lost without him in the midbar? Why is it your job to find yourselves a leader and to make yourself a naked? The Hashem who sent Moshe will send someone to replace him. And therefore, even before the Medagos, they've gone off the derech. They've forgotten the fact that HaKadosh Baruch was leading them. And that's why there was another ramification to Chet Ha'egotu. Hashem said that the punishment should be, I'm not going to lead them anymore. I'll send the Malach in place of me. Klai Yisrael don't deserve, so to speak, Hashem to lead them directly if they don't appreciate Hashem is leading them directly. That was Klai Yisrael's Avera. And the ticket for Klai Yisrael was understanding that HaKadosh Baruch was leading us. And we don't need to look for other leaders. We don't need to look for our own leaders. On the contrary, HaKadosh Baruch isn't going to leave Klai Yisrael leaderless. And if it means sending a malach to lead them, because we don't deserve it, then Hashem will send that malach too. That's the lesson, maybe, one of the lessons, that we can learn from the Pasha of Chet What HaKadosh Baruch Hu as the mistake for each individual, and what the token for each of them would be.